Well, welcome to the show today, everyone. Um, I think uh, the last couple of uh, episodes that we had uh, were really good. Uh, last week on the four, or excuse me, on the twenty-first, we had uh, Angel Jimenez that uh, had joined us. Uh, we've decided to go ahead and bring her back again for this week. Today is March twenty-eighth, twenty twenty-one. And uh, first of all, how you doing, Pernell? I'm doing pretty good, Harry. How are you? Pretty good. So what did you think about Angel? Well, I thought she asked some very, very good questions, um, some very relevant questions. And I'm kind of glad we're having her back today. Yeah, it, uh, you know, and I just had this feeling, you know, from last week that, uh, you know, she still had some uh, some questions to ask to, to follow up with the first three questions. So without uh, further delay, I'm going to go ahead and bring uh, Angel into the show. Hi, Angel. How you doing? Hi, Harry. Hi, Pranel. How are you? Nice to see you again. See you. Really excited to have you back again. Thank you Thank so much you. for joining us. And once again, it's going to be Welcome the back. same format as we did last week. Uh, Angel is interviewing the interviewers. So <laughs> without further delay, uh, go for it, Angel. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so as from our last uh, time together, I did have some other questions um, that I wanted to um, pick your brains about. Um, one of the things that we left off with um, in our discussion um, was about, you know, the length of time some of the people have been in the field. And it made me think a lot about, you know, opportunities for growth. So I was hoping that, you know, you could provide some sort of insight on what that actually looks like for advancement. Well, last time I picked on Purnell and I had him go first. So this time I'll go ahead and take it. So, so basically, you're wanting an overview of what the uh, opportunities for advancement are. Mm -hmm. And it all stems first with how are you going to treat uh, your ability to go through this career? And I, and I emphasize the word career. It's very important to know you don't want to treat it like a job because J-O-B is an acronym for just over broke. You want to treat this as a career. You know, when you do so, you, you show the passion that you have for the field. You're more open to opportunities that are going to come your way. So the first thing you need to do is remember that when you finished uh, going to school and you got your certification and you got your job, went through the probationary period, uh, got to learn everybody, like we said last week, about uh, socializing and, and, and how to fit in and stuff. Uh, you know, and there was a lot of education in the first six months to a year when you get into the field. But the education never ends. So it's very important to remember that you need to uh, go to seminars, conferences. There are uh, sites you can go to for continuing education to maintain your education. And by doing so, uh, you then prepare yourself for uh, the other certifications that are available. Isham has a total of four certifications. Everybody knows you first get your CRCST, uh, which uh, stands for Certified Registered Central Service Technician. And as you saw in the beginning in the intro, we have classes coming up. So for anybody who is interested 
in uh, getting more information on uh, on that, you need to really uh, go ahead and uh, give us a call. At uh, what you can do is call 855-234-6770. Got to give that plug a little commercial during the, the talk. So again, that's 855-234-6770. And you'll be able to talk to Catherine uh, Florentino, who is our admissions director. And as Angel said last week, when she had called into the school, Catherine was able to answer uh, all of her questions. Mm -hmm and stuff. So again, and then the other certifications, CIS, Certified Instrument Specialist. Then you have CHL, Certified Healthcare Leader. And then the last one, the newest one that Isham offered uh, is CER, which is Certified Endoscope Reprocessor. So by getting these additional certifications, number one, you're telling uh, your employer and future employers that you take education very seriously. That's why you have the different uh, certifications. All right. And so uh, you need to, uh, again, educate yourself, prepare yourself. And the expectation of what you can expect within uh, the field is, for your uh, opportunities of advancement, you know, the, you start off as a technician. You can then be advanced uh, at your facility or maybe going to another facility uh, to a lead technician. Uh, you know, before I go on, it's important to know that, you know, 33 years ago when I first got into the field, your only choices were tech, lead tech, and if you were lucky enough, you'd become a supervisor. Uh, that has completely changed. There are more and more opportunities. There's an actual career ladder available to each and every technician in this field. So let's go over it again. You have your technician, you have lead technician. Now they have clinical coordinators where you specialize in a particular service like uh, neurosurgery, uh, orthopedic, uh, vascular, you know, for you know, in heart surgery and stuff and so on. Um, you can become an educator for the department, uh, a supervisor, assistant manager, manager, and ultimately a director, and then beyond. You know, you can take your career right. outside of the hospital and going into, uh, let's say, a consultant, uh, you know, group. And again, you know, to, to offer your services, your your uh, expertise, and because you, uh, over time, you become a content expert. Mm -hmm. And one more plug, now for the consultant side of our, our company here at CSS, you know, you can uh, contact us at 951-468-5330. Uh, and again, we offer the mentoring services as well as other services. We prepare hospitals for survey readiness and such. So again, that's just to let you know that those uh, services are available to anybody who gives us a call. That's for now, awesome. what are your thoughts? No, I think you covered it uh, completely. There are opportunities within the field to move up or to matriculate. Um, Isham offers a variety of certification courses. Um, you show your employer that you're a hard charger and someone who has aspirations for moving up. 
with each certification that you complete. And you know, it's like Harry mentioned, it's about being prepared. It's about being certified. And it's about networking and talking to people about how do you do this? How do you do that? Have those conversations, reach out to people. If they're in a role that you're looking at going into, have those conversations with those people, see what it's like, pick their brains. But I think you covered it completely, partner. Well, you know, uh, and, per, and perhaps not. I mean, I mean, you you said it, the, the big one, uh, uh, networking. And again, it's through those uh, those seminars, conferences that you go to that you're going to be able to network with people. Uh, because ultimately, remember, it's about the education. It's about your ability to meet other people and stuff. And one final thing I wanted to uh, let people know, Angel, that is that, uh, you know, you know, here in the United States, and, and I'm sure in other parts of the world, people like to, you know, they either, you know, promote being a victim, you know, they promote uh, that, you know, woe is me, I can't do it. And one thing I've learned is that, you know, they talk about the glass ceiling, you know, that you can't get past a certain level. And I don't believe it. The only reason why there is a glass ceiling or there is a closed door or locked window is because somebody told you that and you believed it. And I'm not saying you specifically, uh, Angel, you seem like a dynamic personality, uh, you know, and, and last week you told us how you decided to go into sterile processing, your background in, in the dental field and stuff like that. So, but there, I've run into so many people that, you know, that they think, well, I can't do it because somebody told them. And remember, you know, your brain is set up that whatever you believe or whatever you choose to say, like, I can't do it. Your brain's like, you're right. You can't. And your brain will prevent you from being able to advance. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you truly believe and you have to say it, you have to post it on your mirror in your bathroom and stuff. These are my goals. This is what I want to do. And, you know, it's not to say that people aren't going to close doors, uh, you know, in front of you. But guess what? There are other doors. Uh, mm -hmm. There are tools. Go to Lowe's. Go to Home Depot. Get a sledgehammer. Get, you know, create your own door. You create your own opportunity. You are only limited based on your belief in yourself. So if you believe that there is no limit to what you can achieve, then there is no limit to what you can achieve. That's really awesome. <laughs> really it's, awesome. It's about, attitude. Positive attitude. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's about being prepared. So when that opportunity does present itself, and sometimes it will, you never know when. Um, but if you're prepared, if you're working on those other certifications, then when that opportunity presents itself, you're ready. And I think Harry is dead on. Confidence is key. And if moving up is something you want to do, then you have to be focused on what it takes to climb up that ladder. Get prepared, network, talk to people 
who are in jobs and doing those jobs so that you get an idea or a feel from them for what it for, for what it's what it's like for what it takes to be in that job yeah and you know and again going back to what pernell said the networking you know uh after 33 years in the sterile processing world one thing i have learned there is no way that i can know it all but I have uh, met so many people that are so much more smarter than I am that have certain, not to say I've met one person that has all the knowledge. Nobody has all the knowledge, but it's through that networking that you get to know what it is each person has to offer. And majority of these people are willing to give it up and just because, you know, you you befriend them because guess what? There's going to be knowledge that you have that they don't know. So there, it, it works both ways. They're going to be able to call you. You're going to be able to call them and to be able to ask questions. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, to help me advance in, in my career when I uh, went to these different hospitals is that I let them know that, you know, if you're looking for somebody who knows it all, that person doesn't exist. But what I have and what you will have in hiring me is my network. So if there is a question that I cannot answer, I know where to find the answer. I know who to contact. And even if I contact someone and they don't know the answer, they know somebody who knows the answer. You know, so you get access to their network, you know, through them. And so, so as Purnell uh, said, networking is so important you know it's it goes back in the first session i talked about communication communication is key well that's what networking is it's communicating to people that you know that's very good points very insightful yes <laughs> <laughs> So your next now, question. Yeah, um, actually, it's it's interesting. You kind of um, brought up, uh, you know, breaking the glass ceiling. And in the last session, you know, Purdell talked about during the probationary period, one of the thing is, you know, getting to learn personalities. Um, and I was kind of thinking about that a lot. And what um, my thoughts came to is something that's, you know, really important to me in a lot of environments and especially in the workplace, too is um so in sterile processing and obviously you both have a wealth of experience um have you seen or what are your thoughts as far as it being populated more with women with men and what about like people of color like what what have you seen in you know during your tenure in sterile processing so here's what i'll say about Healthcare in general, very diverse. You're going to find people from all backgrounds. Um, that's in healthcare in general. That's certainly been my experience. Of course, there are going to be some regional differences depending on, you know, what part of the country you're in, that sort of thing. Utah might be a little bit different than okay. San Francisco, you know what I'm saying? So, but as far as diversity and inclusion, hospitals and healthcare are really, really big on that particular issue. 
I don't know about um, other areas because I've been in healthcare all my life, but healthcare is really big on inclusion and on diversity. The fact is patients come in all sizes, shapes and colors and they need physicians, nurses, technicians to be able to relate to all people. It's more specifically sterile processing, absolutely. In every hospital that I've been in, in every management job that I've had, every director job that I've had, I've always had departments that were quite diverse. As a matter of fact, because sterile processing is, is, is considered to be an entry level um, way of getting into healthcare, very often minorities can be overrepresented in the field because people are looking for a way to get in and some people move on to different things. I wanna to go to nursing school. I want to become an x-ray technician, so on and so forth. So I would say from my experience, uh, diversity and inclusion is really big in healthcare and people of color are definitely well represented in the sterile processing field. Yeah, the um, but it, it also is going to de depend on the area the hospital is located. You're, you're actually going to get a good mix of diversity based on who lives in the, you know, within, let's say, a 15 to 20 mile uh, radius of that facility. Uh, you know, for instance, in uh, Pasadena, you know, California or in uh, certain sections of L.A., you have a, an extremely high, uh, you know, concentration of Armenians. So mm -hmm. a lot of these hospitals, you know, they have, they'll have Hispanics, they'll have whites, they'll have uh, 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 blacks, but they have uh, a larger amount of Armenians at their facilities because that's the, the culture that they're servicing because most mm -hmm. of their customers uh, so the percentages, actually, the hospitals do pretty well. So let's say you have 50% Armenian in the neighborhood and, uh, you know, 20% uh, black, 15% white, uh, and, uh, you know, certain percentage of Hispanics and Asians and stuff. So whatever those percentages are, you're actually going to see that in the makeup of not necessarily sterile processing specifically, uh, but in the hospital as a percentage of, as a whole, they, they do pretty well in, in uh, mirroring what's in their community. Now, you go down to San Diego, you're going to have the counties there. You're going to have more uh, Hispanics, Filipinos, you know, and, and whites. But still, every ethnicity pretty much is going to be representative uh, uh, in the department at uh, uh, at some point. You know, maybe not every time people leave. And so, um, you know, the hospital, especially sterile processing, I think managers 
they actually don't necessarily look at people of color or, or not. They look at qualifications. Who is best suited personality-wise to be able to come in uh, to the facility, uh, into the department that's going to be able to support that patient care? And uh, if it works out well, then, you know, the, you know, the hospital itself, their goal is, is to make sure that it is representative uh, of their community surrounding them. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> so, Very good to know. and before, you know, the, uh, uh, the next question, uh, one of the things uh, we want to do is we want to go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, so in this episode, it's time for the news. partnered with the U.S. Department of Labor and they have a program called the Biomedical Equipment Technician Apprenticeship. It's a two-year hybrid program that combines education and up to 6,000 hours of paid on-the-job competency-based training. This is a great opportunity for sterile processing technicians that want to stay in the medical field. You still kind of connect it to sterile processing, but of course you're going to up your skills and up your earning potential, which we all absolutely want you to be able to do. Also, I have been speaking about the fact that surgery centers are doing more surgeries and they expect 525 surgery centers will be performing total joint replacements in 2021. There is a list. This information comes from Becker's ASC review, and you can type in 525 ASC, and I'm sure that information will pop up. I bring this up also because Dr. Jeffrey Carlson performed uh, the first in the U.S. three-level lumbar fusion at a surgery center in Newport News, Virginia. This is the first time this has ever been done. Also, there was a Zoom meeting last week. Um, AORN had a Zoom meeting. The title of the Zoom meeting is the endoscopy evolution. Here they're talking about moving toward disposable dual denim scopes. I'm sure you know that they are doing that right now. This particular company is called Ambu. In Ambu, the concern that people had about the dual denim scopes being disposable is that it creates a lot of waste. But they found in their research that it doesn't because for one, you don't have to spend the time necessary for like us sterile processing techs to reprocess these scopes. They're always available, it reduces infections, and the scope is always available when they need them. When they did the research, they found out that when you have to keep changing out PPE, when you have to reorder and keep using different chemicals, the time that's used in the equipment that's required to process these scopes, you actually do not have more waste. If anything, they're saying you may have less waste than you do when you have to reprocess dual denim scopes. It also goes in to talk about the infection rate. And that was their selling point that, hey, we want to reduce infections. And the best way to do that is with the new disposal dual denim scope. So what do you think about that? You may have one coming toward your neighborhood near you and let us know if you do. You guys go out there and be great. Thank you. Welcome back to the uh, show. I just wanted to say that uh, I felt that that was pretty interesting uh, news tidbit that we got there from Solendra. And uh, so as we continue on, again, uh, we have Angel Jimenez, who is with mm -hmm. us, uh, who is a uh, past student of ours. 
uh, again, welcome, uh, Angel. And uh, again, I'm glad that you're you're on the show with us. Thank you. So, what other question do you have for us? Well, again, um, you know, both of you have just a wealth of experience, and I'm pretty sure we can have many conversations uh, of your stories and things that you know you've seen and done. Um, but it's obvious that you've you know evolved with sterile processing as an industry um so i'm just kind of wondering what what are your thoughts on the future of sterile processing changing you know what is you know in your in your minds what does that look like to you well you know what uh before we look at our future one of the things uh, i like to do is i like to look back to the past uh, when I first started in sterile processing back in 1988, we did not have the technology that we have today. And, uh, you know, we had, um, uh, we had our general surgical instrumentation. We had uh, different types of power equipment. Uh, I remember when doing orthopedic uh, procedures, uh, we had hand drills. And it's not, you know, we call it a hand drill. It was battery operated, pneumatic power or electric. But back then there was one particular drill it was called a peas uh, hand drill. And it was the old fashioned, you know, held on to it. You know, you changed out the, the, the bit you needed and it had a side hand crank. And you, the surgeon <laughs> literally drill into the bone, had to hold it, press it and turn the crank to get it to work. You know, so... Uh, to, and then the next generation of uh, technology just for drills went to pneumatic and uh, where it was powered by compressed air. And that was, you know, pretty nifty and stuff. The, uh, the next generation after that was uh, electrical. So instead of being uh, powered by air, we were able to plug it into uh, an outlet of, such, uh, of sorts uh, to their uh, the OR lighting station, it had all the connections so you could plug it in and the doctor was able to power it with a foot pedal and they had different types of, uh, you know, drills, you know, were, the, you know, controlled by the finger or if it was, you know, for, uh, you know, doing brain surgery or getting into the, uh, the cranial cavity, you know, hand, uh, a foot pedal uh, would be there. Uh, and then the next generation after that, battery powered. So now we no longer had, we didn't have, you know, but by the way, they're still hand cranked uh, systems when they're putting in, let's say, uh, anchors or, you know, things uh, in, you know, to put, let's say, a, a halo, somebody fractures their neck. So they have to drill into the skull in order to immobilize the person's head and neck so that they're not moving while they heal. Uh, so that still exists. But now, with battery operated, we went away from the pneumatic. We went away from the electric. Still, some facilities still have them, uh, but we went to battery operated. So now we didn't have a potential of contaminating the field because of the cord, uh, whether it was a you know air hose or electrical cord going across the sterile field. So battery powered really, uh, you know, made things wow. Uh, you know, and then not too long ago, um, it seems to me that it was probably in the last uh, seven to 10 years or so, maybe longer, 
Uh, da Vinci. Da Vinci robots, uh, the robotic instrumentation, uh, it just revolutionized the industry. And being, you know, minimally invasive surgery where they were doing stuff laparoscopically by hand, now they're able to do it with robots. And uh, the surgeon didn't even have to be in the room. At some facilities, the surgeon's not even in the hospital. They may be in another state and they're wow. controlling the robot through the internet. And, uh, you know, the, so the staff are there in the room changing out the instrument that the doctor's gonna need. And the doctor is, you know, through a speaker and, you know, kind of like a telephone line is able to communicate to the staff, letting them know what, what we're going to do. And so that that brings us to the current future, you know, in other words, our, our current state of, with robotics and hopefully in an upcoming show, there are robotic, you know, not just robo robotics in the operating room, but there's robotics that are being developed for sterile processing. And wow. uh, again, in an upcoming show, we uh, I uh, was introduced to a gentleman and his partner that have a plan for a robotic system to innovate the cleaning or delivery of equipment to the OR. We're, we're able to uh, free up staff, you know, and I know I used to be very fearful of, uh, of this type of, you know, because 30 years ago, we were talking about automating sterile processing so that you don't need the technician. And I was very much against uh, this type of technology. But one thing I've learned is as our industry has, has advanced technology, uh, uh, technically, uh, you know, it's more important even now to have uh, sterile processing technicians there to be able to process and do things because not robots aren't going to be able to do everything. All right. There is no substitution, uh, you know, of what an actual human can do There's So, um, what we found in our, in our field and Purnell could probably uh, chime in on this is the fact that we are so busy in sterile processing that even if you have a department that has 60 individuals, technicians working in the field, there's so much work going on and so much work that still needs to be done that we don't have time to do it all in a day. And that carries on to the next day and to the next day and to the next day. So having robotics that can help us do part of our job is going to be able to free the technicians to be able to get to the stuff that they haven't been able to get to. They eventually get to it, but again, it's it's rotated through and stuff. So uh, that's where I see the future is uh, innovation in the sterile processing department to free up our staff to be able to get to the items that we haven't been able to get to. Wow. Yeah, all, all um, really good points. I would just add a couple of things. Um, Harry mentioned technology and where we came to sort of where we're going, where we are. Um, so technology is affecting everything, right? Mm -hmm. And its impact, I think, on healthcare. Um, and more specifically, sterile processing, I think, is, is also going to be um, huge. Um, so let's start with the equipment that we use in sterile processing. 
for cleaning and sterilizing the instrumentation. We're gonna find that with each generation of this equipment, it's gonna use, they're gonna use less water, they're gonna use less electricity, the cycles are gonna become faster because the machines are going to be smarter. We're gonna have equipment that is gonna be able to sense debris and bio burden. And this equipment is going to be smart as far as how to address the cleaning. So that's exciting and that's, that's definitely happening. Instrumentation as well. I mean, technology being applied to instruments. Uh, not only are they gonna be more durable, um, instruments are also that are in the surgeon's hands are going to be much smarter. Um, when they hit a certain type of tissue, the instrument will respond in the appropriate way. If there is a vessel or an artery that the surgeon is getting too close to, the equipment will shut down. So the technology is going to have huge implications, um, again, for us. It's already happening. So I think the future of sterile processing is going to be filled with technology that's going to make the equipment and the instrumentation much smarter and more efficient. Wow. Absolutely. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, another technology we have, there's companies uh, over in Europe, uh, particularly in Sweden, that are coming up with uh, educational opportunities for technician uh, to be able to uh, learn things differently uh, prior to, let's say, having the equipment come in to a hospital. So let's say uh, hospitals that have the Da Vinci robot, uh, you know, technicians in sterile processing are going to be able to get a type of hands-on experience even before the equipment gets there. And so the question is, okay, great. So how do you get knowledge and training uh, hands-on uh, on equipment that isn't even there yet? And mm -hmm. the answer is VR technology, so virtual reality. And, it, that, and that's the key word. It is a reality. Uh, Purnell and I talked a couple of years ago to a company that, so we knew about it a couple of years ago. Well, guess what? There is a company that is coming on board here in the United States that is going to be supplying their virtual reality technician, uh, technical uh, ability Technology. to train students on the hands-on portion, to be able to learn their instrumentation, to be able to witness and see how the cleaning process for surgical instruments is in decontamination to, you know, you know, the, the proper flow. We talk about in, in school, we talk about one-way flow into the, uh, you know, in sterile processing, everything coming in to decontamination, to the prep assembly, sterilization, storage, case picking, or, you know, out to the customer and then back. And so this virtual reality is going to allow students as well as staff in the facility to be able to get training that they otherwise would have to wait for. And to me, wow. that's, that's exciting. That's we're, we're talking, uh, you know, in the next couple of months, 
that, uh, wow. that it's actually going to be breaking here in the United States. Uh, it's already, virtual reality training has already taken place here in the, in the United States, mm -hmm. but in other industries, you know, what, you know, that uh, like mechanics and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's specifically coming to sterile processing uh, to me is extremely exciting. You know, that's, I am, I am so looking forward to it. The other thing too, just briefly, training. Uh, again, Harry mentioned training, virtual training. Training for leadership and making sure that the training that sterile processing leaders have and get is equivalent to our partners in business. Um, we have to do a better job of how we approach as managers and directors our work in the sterile processing space. You can see it already happening with the courses that Isham is offering. Um, many hospitals are requiring managers to now have some kind of degree. Back in the day, 10 years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case. So as we get better training for our technicians and our managers, that just puts our industry in an even more progressive space. And that is happening as well. That's a part of our future. Yeah, and it goes back, uh, Angel, to your first uh, question about uh, an overview of the opportunities for advancement. Mm -hmm. So what Purnell just said about you know advanced degrees and, and uh, yeah. training for managers, uh, and, and this training is not just for managers. It's available to technicians as well that want to move up into the management, mm -hmm. you know, field. So uh, the great thing is, is that I, I, I feel that, you know, anybody can go to our website, you know, uh, yeah, shameless plug of, for our company <laughs> here. It's going to centralsterilizationsolutions.com in order to for the consulting side to see what what is available uh, to customers for us to come out and help them but also centralsterilizationschool.com and on a particular area we have uh, you know career options you know which shows the different links here in southern california to the job websites for people to get a job but if you go down further uh, we have vendors that we like that uh, that we posted there so that people can get their continuing education mm -hmm. and we will be putting up more sites so these these uh, locations these uh, companies that Purnell was talking about as far as training for let's say managers again mm -hmm. are going to be available for technicians uh, as well in order to help them in their advancement because it goes back to education right if you're treating uh, this is a job. Again, you're just going to be making enough money just to be broke. Yeah. All right. You treat it as a career. And uh, and then the uh, it's limitless as to where you can go. Perfect example. I spent my first 20 years as a technician trying to break into the management role, becoming a supervisor and stuff. Uh, the key thing that I didn't have I had the education, I had the knowledge, but I wasn't willing to show 
<clears throat> how serious enough I was about my education. So I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, put in the effort to get my certification. Well, it took 20 years to get my certification. And so time and time again, where I had applied for jobs and wasn't able to get it, uh, you know, it ended up, uh, you know, I finally got my certification and then boom, within three to six months, I got a job at, at the company I was working for at another facility, but, you know, within, uh, it was Kaiser and I became a supervisor. Two years after that, I was a manager. And since then, you know, I've gotten more uh, certifications because, again, yeah. having these certifications allows uh, the companies to know that you take your educational serious and it will give you that opportunity to advance. You and know, and speaking of those certifications, Central Sterilization Solutions can help with that. Mm -hmm. yes. We offer what is equivalent to the CRCST. We offer a basic sterilization course for people who want to get into the industry. If you want advanced certifications, we can do that as well. We have an instrument course. We also have a scope management course. If you want to work in the GI lab, if you like working with flexible endoscopes, or you just like to add that certification to your current certifications, we can do that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it, we're, we're actually the only school that's gonna be offering uh, all four certification courses that ISHM has. So, so the four certifications, again, CRCST, we've had it since 2011. Uh, CIS <laughs> is gonna be released this year we hope the uh, the CER uh, will be released later this year, uh, and the leadership one, CHL. Uh, if we're lucky, we'll do it, uh, release it this year, uh, but definitely year. by 2022. So uh, we're in the we're we're finishing up just the final touches on the leadership, uh, you know, PowerPoint presentations for our students, but. Uh, at that point, we will be the only school that offers all four certification courses. So really look at the bottom of the screen, 855-234-6770. And, uh, you know, before we uh, go any further at this point, um, I just want to take a, a quick break. So, folks, we'll be right back.
Welcome back. And uh, again, I'm here with uh, my co-host, Pernell Husband, and with our guest, uh, Angel Jimenez, who is the interviewer for today for us, like she was last <laughs> week. And uh, uh, so, I, like I did the last session, uh, Angel, I'm going to turn things around a bit. So I'm going to ask you a question. In 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 talking with you, uh, in between shows, uh, I you know I found out that you were doing something very interesting, and I just wanted mm -hmm. to put it out there uh, for people to know, uh, you know, what's going on with you. So uh, I know you uh, you're going to school. You you finished up to, with CSS, but while mm -hmm. going to school. Uh, what was your what, or what is your current job that you're doing? <laughs> so I um I've always been one um I believe in being involved in community and you know really knowing uh, what your community can do for you. And I was able to find a really super super part-time job um delivering lunches to senior citizens who have been homebound um due to the COVID pandemic. Um, I work for a, um, it's a, it's a small company, um, who they're, I guess you can refer to them as like a, an adult daycare center. Um, and when the pandemic hit, you know, obviously with the restrictions that were put into place, um, the participants, you know, could not go to the facility anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so the center wanted to find ways, um, where they could still be able to provide resources to ensure that the participants were eating healthy and had the things that they needed. Um, and so they, you know, hired people to, um, to do delivery services for them. And so in every day I go and I pack up, you know, pack up a lunch. Um, I have a route, I have the same 15 people that I deliver to. Um, in some instances, I might be the only person they see that day. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, and we take them not only just the lunch, but, you know, things that they might need, you know, simple things. It could be anything from paper towels, you know, um, or, you know, a birthday card, you know, maybe a plant just to, you know, say, hi, how are you? We miss you. Or, um, uh, there's also the food bank supplies, um, you know, big boxes of food to them. And I've delivered sometimes uh, clothes to somebody, you know, who might have, you know, needed it. They've outgrown it or um, it, it was just a necessity that, that they absolutely needed. So um, I do that Monday through Friday and, and it's it feels really good. Um, like I said, sometimes I, I may be the only person that they see that day and um, I like to be able to, you know, do something and I feel good about doing it. And I, I know that it's, you know, helping out my community and, um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I, and I only work for maybe about three hours a day. And, uh, the other thing that's rewarding is it gets me out of the house. So, <laughs> yeah. house and, you know, I get to drive around and, you know, listen to my music and, you know, every, you know, say hi to somebody and, and at least say something simple as, you know, how are you doing today? You know, how's it going? You know, or, you know, you should sit outside. It's beautiful weather. And, um, you know, I've grown to known some of the participants that I've delivered to. And um, and, and it, it's nice and it feels really rewarding. So and it's something, like I said, to to do for my community. And, you know, at the same time, you know, just just be fulfilled knowing that I'm, I'm doing something that I know is making a difference. Well, that is awesome because, you know, <laughs> 
Unfortunately, you know, my mother used to uh, tell me this. She goes, you know, the thing that is bad about getting old is that people have a tendency to discount you. Mm-hmm. They don't see you. You can be right there in front of them and they don't see you. So uh, and and the fact of the matter is our senior community is still very important. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just sitting there with a wealth of knowledge yeah. Uh, you know, of past experiences. And here we are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting pretty close to being, well, officially I am a senior, <laughs> you know, according to Denny's, you know, 55 <laughs> plus I get my discount. So that is awesome, <laughs> you know, but, uh, uh, but the fact is, is that, you know, so I'm, I make a point that whenever I see a senior out in public, I, I say hello to them. I smile at them, just a simple smile mm-hmm. to them. And so to hear that you're doing this for them uh, is absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I am, you know, a little bit disheartened in the fact that, uh, you know, you're doing it Monday through Friday and these poor seniors aren't eating on the weekend. So yeah. we've got to do something about that, you know. <laughs> no, I know you have other the companies have yeah. other people, you know, that, uh, that deliver on the weekends and stuff. So, um, but no, that's awesome. I think that mm-hmm. is uh, great that you're doing that. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? I think uh, we've had a, another successful uh, episode here. Uh, I want to thank everybody who uh, sat in and, and watched uh, this episode. Uh, please be sure to uh, to like us. Uh, these uh, episodes are not currently up on YouTube. We will be uh, putting it on YouTube. So when we have that all set up, please be sure to like us. Here on Facebook, make sure, or if you're watching this through LinkedIn, give us a thumbs up and let us know uh, what you thought. Feel free to give us, uh, like Angel did here, uh, you know, reach out to us with any questions uh, or concerns related to sterile processing. Remember that CSS Nation is about education and in, in sharing information on in sterile processing. Just going back to it, a question, we may put you on. We may reach yeah. out. If yeah. you have good questions, that's how this came about. So. Yeah, we'll put you on. We won't they force you, though. We won't force you. We'll we ask might force you. We might. We might coerce you. <laughs> so, Angel, once again, thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show. It, uh, uh, it was wonderful to uh, to see you. Uh, you know, through our virtual class, uh, everybody mm-hmm. had their cameras off, so I was just looking at a blank screen and my PowerPoints, and it's always nice to... Uh, put a face to a name. Uh, yeah. It's been a pleasure to uh, to get to know you. And again, thank you for, for coming on to the show. Of course, of course. And thanks for the initial post and choosing my question. <laughs> Great but I hope question. That the, I hope that Great. this session will help somebody, you know, the, the students who are in your next class. <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. they'll have the same question. So hopefully this well, will- Well, and just to let everybody know, again, I posted on Facebook, Hey, we're going to be my partner and I, Pernell, are going to be doing a podcast. And so we want to know what you want to hear about, uh, because it's not about us. Uh, although sometimes, you know, I shamelessly will plug uh, the, the school and the, the consulting side, but it's about you. It's about your education. 
It's about what you want to know about. And so we want to make sure that our show is uh, is informative and entertaining. We definitely hope that it's entertaining. Uh, and again, this particular uh, last episode and this episode uh, came from one question. Her initial question was what to expect in the first six months of being in the field. And so when I reached out to Angel to come on the show, she said, that's great. And then she had additional questions, which uh, allowed us to be able to do a full show like uh, what we've done, two full shows. And this is awesome. So again, Angel, thank you so much for coming on. And <laughs> I look you. forward to working with you in uh, helping you to advance your career. Thank you. It's, it's exciting. I'm very excited. Thank you Thank so you much again. for your contributions to the show. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. All right, Angel, you have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Well, Pernell, once again, I think we had uh, an extremely successful show there. Uh, and I'm going to ask you one more time. So what did you think about Angel this time? I thought she was phenomenal. I thought her questions were on point and, um, you know, very articulate and, very insightful. I thought she was an excellent guest. Yeah. Yes. So, so much so that I want to make sure that I let managers, you know, because managers going to watch this show, uh, let you know, Angel is available down in the San Diego area. So she has been trained by Central Sterilization Solutions. She scored extremely high on her final exam. And, uh, you know, as she stated before, I mean, in the first episode, her, her career going into the dental office, I know that within a very short period of time, they advanced her to the uh, office manager. Uh, mm -hmm. And then she took it upon herself to be able to learn the back office part of it, you know, the sterilization, which led her to the school uh, to, be, to pursue a career in sterile processing. Right. So I'm not afraid to say that if you don't reach out to her or if she applies at your facility and you don't at least give her an interview, there's something wrong with you. So, but uh, she is awesome. Again, she did extremely well in the school and uh, I think uh, she would be uh, an absolute asset to any facility that she goes into. Uh, you know, she, she shows that she can learn very quickly. She thinks on her on her feet. And the great thing is, is that she definitely has a concern in my communications with her in the past about patient safety and where our feet, you know, you can tell with the questions that she asked. She was concerned, uh, you know, with how to advance, where is our field going? And again, it was such a pleasure to have her on the show. And uh, I would hate to see any facility miss an opportunity to be able to hire her or to any of our alumni. So just uh, so that you all know, be sure to reach out. You can get a hold of us at our websites. You have centralsterilizationsolutions.com and you have uh, centralsterilizationschool.com. You know, if you have any questions in regards to the consulting side, mentoring, be sure to give us a call at 951-468-5330. Uh, leave a message and we will get back to you. And then if you have any questions as far as, you know, coming to our school and getting your certification, 
be sure to uh, reach out to us at 855-234-6770. So again, a very successful show, uh, Purnell. Um, to have a, you know, this was these last two episodes where uh, where we had our uh, a guest on. Uh, I think we hit a home run with having Angel on the show. My yeah. final question to you, Purnell, is: Do you have uh, else to say? We'll be back. Yeah.